On today's episode of 10 Years From Now, we have Jack Henderson. Jack is the founder and director of Henderson Advocacy, which is delivering world-class investment strategies and acts as a guide for those looking to find the right investment or build a strong property portfolio. Jack left school at 15 years old and has been working hard ever since. Buying his first property, I believe, at 18 years old, now leading a team of 14 plus people, owns no media and is the podcast host on the Henderson Audio Experience. So Jack, welcome. Thank you very much. What a blast from the past, hey? It's <laughs> remember a few years ago, it feels like we were hanging out in the schoolyard. I literally had like, I, so for the audience, I was very fortunate to go to high school with Jack when we were, well, I was at Windsor High from seven, eight, nine. And I do recall, I was writing down the thoughts I literally had of you when I was in high school. And they were like, I remember you being a super smart guy, like in, in the books, like you were just always got high grades. And I remember feeling and thinking you were super confident in like grade eight. And you also had very strong opinions in the schoolyard. So that, that, they, were my, <laughs> they were my three thoughts. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you led with, uh, you were super smart. That makes me feel better about myself. My mom, my mom and dad may not agree with that though. <laughs> well, I definitely thought you were. So I guess, um, but Jack, you know, I've been following your journey now for the past few years and you're definitely an inspiration to myself when it comes to your mindset, running a business and really the way that you go around the branding side of things. So I'm very keen to jump in all that today. Um, but you know, just starting off with reflecting on your life, where was Jack 10 years ago? Jack 10 years ago would have been a 16 year old kid who had just been expelled from school. Uh, from that school that we went to together, actually. Um, I had started working in the construction industry as a laborer. So I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was working on large construction sites. Um, I was the bottom of the food chain on the construction site. And to be honest, I loved it. Like I, I uh, really, I mean, leave, getting a from school was, was quite uh, a traumatic experience for my, my family because naturally your parents want the best for you. And education usually is the thing that leads to someone having their, their best possible life. Um, so it was actually quite a, a weird time. My mum was very upset. My dad was very upset because my mum was upset. Uh, but I was like um, internally quite happy because I didn't like school. Um, you know, school was a place that uh, my brother was bullied a lot. I was, you know, somewhat bullied quite a lot. Um, probably not as much as him, but it just it wasn't an enjoyable place. It didn't, it didn't yeah. excite me to go to school. Um, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. It was funny. You said, you know, you're quite a confident kid. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence in school, to be honest, like about my looks. I had braces. I had acne. I wasn't, I wasn't a super confident kid. Um, and I think all of those things, you know, make school not an enjoyable place. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't a tough guy either. You know, usually the tough guys in school are the people who want to, ones who enjoy, enjoy it the most. So when I, when I started the workforce, um, I loved it because, you know, it was a place where no one knew who I was. Um, I was earning money and I started to feel like I had some sort of control over, um, you know, my destiny as such. I, I had my money to do what I wanted with and it was a good feeling. So 16 was the start of the start of, uh, the years of my life that I really started to enjoy. Yeah. Great story, Jack. And I guess what were some of your strengths as I guess that 16 year old kid though, you said that, you know, you did feel like you didn't have much confidence, but deep down, yeah. what did you feel like your, I guess, best qualities of yourself were? Um, uh, I think I was always quite a loyal person and I love the underdog. So like mm -hmm. in school, um, you know, I always hung out. I felt like always like, you know, had empathy towards the people who, you know, were the people that not many people liked. Um, and I've, I've still got that today. So 
that was one of my I think my one of my big strengths. Um, I I don't know. I probably wasn't very self-aware as a 16 year old kid, you know, you're just like going through life pretty yeah. unconscious. Um, but I think the, one of the big things that probably, you know, led me to go on the journey that I'm on now was all of the insecurities I had in school. Um, and growing up, I wanted to, um, you know, use them as my motivation to, to do what I wanted and, you know, being not the best looking, you know, kid in school, that obviously leads to certain things, not being the most popular and all the rest of it leads to certain things. Um, and I, I think I always wanted to prove myself to people, which is probably still somewhat the case now. Uh, but now I probably want to prove myself to myself more than anything. Mm -hmm. But all of that, I think led to me going down the path that I went on and getting educated financially and, and, and using commercial success to be able yeah. to, to stick well, it to the people that, you know. For sure, Jack. For someone that wasn't, I guess, consciously thinking about I guess those sort of traits, as you say, but you then went ahead and bought a house at age 18. A lot of people, you know, also aren't even thinking about buying a house at 18. So what, what, how did you get on that journey? So I think, um, my parents were like, I had an incredible upbringing. My mum and dad mm -hmm. were extremely hardworking. Yes, still are today in their sixties. Um, and you know, they always instilled in us about, you know, working hard for your money and, and, mm -hmm. and being smart with your money and not wasting it. My parents like never bought things they didn't need. They never were the family that tried to keep up with the Joneses like most people yeah. do. Um, and as a 16 year, I don't have much money, things to spend your money on. So, um, I was just saving and, um, you know, because I had a, a strong savings account, my, my parents are like, well, going to buy a house one day in your life. Why not do it now and just get it out of the way? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a great thing. And as those conversations started to unfold, um, around the dinner table, um, naturally I was like, oh, this, you know, this, this is mm. probably the right idea. And then you start Googling things and YouTubing. And, and then I just went down this rabbit hole of property and investment. And then because of that, it was like wealth creation and business. And it yeah. was just something that continued to unravel because, um, I always loved education, but education on things that I liked. So the thing I didn't like about school was that you were getting educated on things regardless if you like them or not, because it's part of a curriculum. Whereas when I left school, you know, like the more I wanted to learn about property and investment and wealth creation, the more mm -hmm. I could learn. I just continued mm -hmm. to watch videos and seminars and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So it was, it was probably something that happened, you know, by accident that ended up turning into a, a purposeful uh, pursuit. Yeah. When you were back 18 and you're purchasing your first home for, you know, many listeners that will be around that age or early twenties. When, you know, there's good debt and bad debt, right? But when you were taking that first loan out to purchase your first home, what were some emotions that went through that? And how did you manage thinking about the debt situation there? I didn't really think about it at all, to be honest. That wasn't one mm -hmm. of my, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, debt is a scary thing. For me, it mm -hmm. wasn't. Um, and I'm not sure why. It just, it just wasn't something I thought about. Like I just looked at it in simple numbers as to this is what I'm paying for the property. This is what my rent you know, is per week. This is what a mortgage is per week or per month. And this is what it's going to cost me out of my pocket. And that's really the only number I focused on, not the $720,000 I paid for the property. Um, and I think some of the, the emotions, again, probably led back because I, you know, I just come out of school and again, I wanted to prove myself to people. So you know, I was like, you know, yeah. sort of sticking it to the people. I was like, fuck you. I'm, you know, 18 with my own property. That's probably, to be honest, what I was actually thinking. Yeah. Um, and then off the back of actually going through the transaction and purchasing the property, then it become a, uh, 
you know, a big, a, a big part of my life was like wealth creation mm-hmm. then and going, well, I've done it once now. Well, how can I not do this a thousand times? Yeah. Jack, I'm very fascinated by, I would love you to dive deep in, I guess, how many people you do actually manage. And I guess, do you actually help them grow as a part of your business? And also yeah. what sort of like leader are you within Henderson Advocacy? Not a great one, to be honest. Like, um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty self-aware with the things that I'm really good at and things that I'm not good at, and I'm becoming more and more self-aware every single day, but, um, you know, it, you're not taught to be a leader, uh, and, um, you know, I just, I got into business and I'm very good at what I do personally. Um, and you know, if it was just the Jack Henderson show, then I'd be, I'd be, I'd be staking caviar for the rest of my life. And, but mm-hmm. that's not, you know, what you want to do, right? I want to build a team. I want to build a company. And, um, so I've, I, over the last two years, you know, I've gone from having one staff member to 30 odd staff members now back to probably 25 ish, mm-hmm. um, over the entities. And, you know, I'm, I'm still learning every single day. So I try and help as much as I possibly can, but, um, you know, if you, if you look at say Simon Sinek as the best leader in the world, and then you compare me to him, uh, I am a very, 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 uh, short way on that journey. Um, but it's all learning, right? Like hundred percent. I've hired a lot of people I shouldn't have hired. Um, Mm -hmm. I've made a lot of mistakes in the way I've communicated with people and, and the things that I've, I've done or not done or lack of being a leader. Um, but every time something like that happens, you go, oh, fuck, okay. Now I know for the next time, for example. 100%. Yep. And Jack, I guess uh, one of the articles I did read too, that part of your staff that a lot of, uh, they didn't even have a background in real estate and they're coming from different facets of life. Is that a strong value to you because you feel like high school didn't mean a lot while you were there? And what sort of traits do you look out for people on your team? Yeah. So, I mean, like the real estate side of things can be taught, right? I'm a living example of that. I taught myself everything and, and learned from people who have been there and done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that can't be taught is like work ethic, commitment, dedication. And, and the more that I've led a team, the more I realize that they're huge to me. You know, like mm-hmm. someone could be the smartest person in the world and, and, you know, the most naturally talented person in the world. But if it gets to the office late and they leave early and they've got, you know, commitments in their life that are probably more important to them than the job and the business, but I'm going to dislike that person and dislike working with that person a lot more than someone who maybe is a quarter of it as, as naturally talented, but is super dedicated. Um, yeah. and you can't, you can't teach that. And, uh, the more that I've had people come and go from my business, the more I've realized that the thing that I really value more than anything is like dedication, commitment to the journey and the cause, um, and, uh, you know, loyalty, all that type of stuff. So do you, yeah. Do you feel like people can only focus on one thing? Like, do you have to go in all in on one thing or can you fiddle in a few different areas? No, I don't. I think people can concentrate on many things, but I think for the age that I am at and the commitment that I have to my business, the people who have many things going on in their life probably don't have a place in my business, if that makes sense. And I know that's selfish in nature, but I don't think that they would one, well, I know actually, they don't fit the culture. They don't fit my mentality. Um, and I've tried it. I've had people that have, you know, got families and, 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 and other things outside of their life. And, you know, when, mm-hmm. when Friday afternoon comes, they're not contactable and, um, they're probably not aspiration as aspirational as I am. And that's totally fine, but yeah. they're not the people that I want inside of my business at this point in time. And that may change over the course of the journey. Right. But right now, like I want people who are hungry. I want people mm-hmm. who are 
fully committed to making themselves better, which in essence is going to help the business. Um, and you know, those people are hard to find, but when you find them, that those, those qualities are very, very hard to teach and probably not possible to teach, but all the real yeah. estate shit, you know, you shadow me for six months and you'll learn a lot of it. I was having a conversation with Jai Long just on the podcast a few days ago, and he runs his own business too, like seven figure. And one of the things I find super interesting, of course, you managing the company and people coming to us for pay rises. And how do you kind of manage that? I, I assume real estate's very like commission based as well. But do you feel like it's when people are coming to you to ask for a pay rise or if anyone has, are you then, how do you manage that? Are you asking them what value have you provided me or how do you manage yeah, that situation? So it's, it's actually, it's funny you ask, it's happening at the moment. So mm-hmm. um, no, it's not about, I mean, I don't ask the question about what, what value you've provided me. It's, you know, it's very much, you know, right. You know whether yeah. the person is deserving of it or not. Um, and, you know, I think as a good leader, you actually should be be rewarding them prior to them asking you, yeah. Um, which I'm not good at. So, yeah. you know, I just, just get so caught up in doing your day to day. But, you know, like people who are, you know, resemble all those qualities that I just mentioned, I think are more than worthy of being paid a handsome remuneration structure mm-hmm. package um, because replacing those people and finding new ones is way more expensive yeah. than giving someone, you know, totally. retraining and all the rest of it is way more expensive and you don't want to go through that but at the same token um you know you don't want to be rewarding people that are not deserving of that and, mm-hmm. and again that is on you as a leader to make that person aware of that and you know it's a very if, fine if balance them, yeah and then if they're not worthy of it like it's the saying it's higher fast and fire faster yeah. um not higher slow and fire fast whatever one you like yeah. um but yeah the I think yeah, people, you know, if, if that person's delivering you a lot of value and that value then in, turns into commercial value, which is money, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, I think absolutely they're, they're, they're deserving of, of, of some portion of that for sure. Mm. Jack, jumping on to the topic of money, like what does money mean to you? Um, probably more than I'd like it to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I, 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 I'm not, super attached to my possessions but you know i think the uh the balance of my accounts and the um how well my business is doing uh mm-hmm. directly affects the way that i feel and how i act and that is not a good thing right because when business is going bad i feel like shit and when times are not that great financially i don't feel that great which is which is horrible it's not a good mm-hmm. thing and i need to get better at managing that but at the same token it's a learning thing right like I've come into a large sum of money, both earning and, and my asset base. Um, and you, you know, you don't, a lot of people, sorry, don't grow up you know, understanding how to manage money and how to manage, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the temptations that it can bring and all the rest of it, um, which I am learning, but yeah, I, I do attach a lot of value to, to money, probably more than anything else, to be yeah. honest, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself. Yeah. I actually listened to a reel of on your Instagram the other day, and I really wanted to dive into it and get your thoughts on this because someone asked you, have you around, have you achieved your 2022 goals? And, you know, you actually mentioned, I haven't, but like there's areas that you have, but it's about how you set those goals at the start of the year. And I really wanted Mm -hmm. to get your, 
what your thoughts are around one, setting goals and why haven't you set or achieved the goals yet this year? So um, last year I had an incredible year, literally ticked every single one of my goals or all but every single one of my goals off. Um, and then, you know, naturally as a human, you just can think that the trajectory that you're on is going to continue, right? And you think life is going to be rosy and skittles all the time mm-hmm. when we know the reality of that is not true. Um, so, you know, end of 2021, I'm setting my 2022 goals and I was like, well, I've done this this year. Naturally, now I've got a bigger team. I've got more, you know, financial backing behind me. Let's just double those goals. And the goals that mm-hmm. I hit last year, I never thought that I was going to hit the numbers that I did. It just happened. So then I was like, let's double that. Stupid because mm-hmm. like there's so many external factors that contribute to one's success, right? Um, large one for us, we're in the property market and, and our business is reliant on the market. Interest rate increases, you know, the looming recession, all, all, the, all the, you know, talks around the, the quality of, of our economy at the moment. That has a direct impact on my business and I can't control that. Regardless of how fucking hard I work, I can't control that. So, um, you know, revenue targets this year, I shouldn't have set the way that I did. I should have set them, you know, in, in a different way or, or maybe not even put a dollar figure on them. It should have been a different, a different metric that I measured them by to still know that I was growing. I ran a few marathons last year and this year I was like, oh, let's run fucking two ultra marathons and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I didn't even want to do that. I just did yeah. it because it was like more than I did the year before. Um, what else did I set? There was a few other things on there. Like, um, I wasn't as strict on myself this year with the no drinking thing, which, you know, I think was a good learning. And I, I, I reminded myself how much alcohol is, is a bad thing for Jack Henderson. But look, I think all in all, there was a lot of learning this year, which is, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, you know, uh, something that happened because I didn't set the right goals and I believe yeah. life happens for you, not to you. So I'm mm-hmm. very grateful for that. Um, but now with setting goals, you just have to, you know, one set goals that are, you know, achievable and two, I think set goals that are mean something to you. So just set goals for the sake of it, like running two ultra marathons for me, like meant fuck all, to be honest. Like I don't enjoy that and you're not meant to do things all the time that you enjoy, but yeah. I didn't want to commit to the training and, and all the rest. So I've ran one now and I was like, it's a lot of work yeah, to do it. One and done. <laughs> yeah. But I still, I, I'm still going to do it, but yeah. um, I just, it's not something that I'm super passionate about. You know, like I got into the running, I did the marathons, like sweet. It's, I've done an ultra now. I know I can do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't look at myself as a runner. Like I don't enjoy running. But uh, what does but running mean to you for your mental health and being the best? Like, I would love to touch more on the alcohol and the running aspect for you to be the best for you to rock up each day at work. Like what's your balance there? With- it's great. Like I love, I love what running does to me from a mindset yeah. perspective and how good it makes you feel, but I don't need to go run 50 Ks to feel like yeah. that. Right? Like I do a 10 K run in the morning, which takes me 40 minutes mm-hmm. um, or thereabouts, but I don't run four minute Ks actually probably like 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> um, and like that's heaps, you know, I get up at four 30, I run from five to, you know, whatever time, five thirty, six o'clock and I'm fully set up for the day. But like to run an ultra marathon, it's like a completely different thing. You go like Definitely. you're training, you're like fucking, I just don't need it. But like training in the mornings is like, you know, if I don't train, I get anxiety. I feel shit. You know, like I get dirty on myself because I didn't train. And usually the reason is I didn't get up at the right mm-hmm. time. I snooze my alarm. Um, yeah. So there's just a, you know, a full domino effect of, um, of things that happen when you don't train. But it's a it's, it's game changer for, for like the way you feel about yourself and how you start off your day. For sure. And Jack, 
I know I've been following your LinkedIn now for a while and I have seen some of your statuses around the alcohol side of things. And I am definitely someone to go like one year sober. And then I think I have to have this balance and be able to, no, I should be able to have a drink and not feel like my head is just going like regretful the next day. Now, how are you managing that now? And how do you think moving forward, how are you going to balance the two? So I try to do the balance thing this year after a year off. Um, so it just doesn't work for me. Like I can't do balance. You know, if I'm like, all right, I'm just going to drink for three or four weeks, but then I can drink on the fifth week because I've got an event on. Then I just say, I'll tell myself, oh, fuck, it's right. If you have one drink yeah. here and one drink there, you know, where if I tell myself like, no, you're sober. The answer to all the questions is, nah, don't drink. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm sober. Oh, no, I'm not going to come to that event. Exactly. You don't have all that energy drink. in your head, right? So what is it? Like you perform better without drinking. So what's the decision now, like moving forward? Well, it's, you know, it's hard. We're human beings. There's a lot of temptation and there's a lot of good stuff that happens when you drink, right? Or it's, you know, as a, as a, as a woman or, or, or a man, you're, you know things usually when you're drunk you have like sexual encounters and like you know, all the shit that comes with it right good times memories and some fucking reason your brain attaches that to alcohol so you don't actually think about how shit you feel when you drink mm-hmm. about fuck, how good's it gonna be you know what's um, the most activity besides drinking that gives you a dopamine hit that feeling of adrenaline that excites you a good question. It's a good question. Um, like running doesn't do that for me. That's that's what I don't like about it. It just makes you feel good after it, but it doesn't give you that, uh, you know, like thrill. You know, like like yeah. going out and having a big night does. Can um, maybe maybe like I, I used to race motocross for a lot of years, and I rode for the first time in years a couple of weeks ago, and like that was something when I got back on the bike. You know, like I remembered why I loved it so much, and you like forget mm. about the complete outside world, or you're worrying about it's just not dying. Um, which I really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, being on the river is, is fun and relaxing. I was out on the, on the river yesterday, which I enjoyed. But I don't know. There's probably, I probably don't have anything like that. Having a lot of debt and a business is pretty fucking scary and exhilarating sometimes. Yeah. So no, it's I very get, hard. Uh, yeah. I think I get, as a kid. I get a thrill from that. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's good, right? It's, I think the older you get, you realize the adrenaline seeking that you got from alcohol. It's just like you need to find something that is, although, what you have that you just said, building a business, being in debt, it's it's a better choice to choose than, you know, going down that other rabbit hole as well. But it's it's definitely hard. Like I, I still yeah. struggle with the the decision in your head to like, you know, don't drink, but you always are so happy. Like if you can yeah. make the decision and not do it and then just go straight to sleep, you never wake up with regret going, fuck, I wish I went out. Yeah. You always wake up going, I am so glad I never went you out. Lit- you have to make the decision you are not drinking before you get to the event. It cannot be like, I might drink yes or no at the event. Cause then as soon as like the sun's going down and you're just like, oh, okay, I'll have one. You give in. Right. So it's being so strict before you go. Um, and it was easier in COVID. I didn't take that into consideration. Yeah. I was like, oh, I did a year off. It was easy. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, the reason it was easy because you didn't have events to go to, you know, you didn't have dinners to go to. Yeah. Just... And it's also tough, right? Like you've, you're working hard too, and you want to enjoy a drink potentially with the clients that you're working with, but it's so funny how we're so fixated to drinking and alcohol being that reward that we have to give ourselves to celebrate with our clients. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Jack, I wanted to jump into, I guess, a bit of a day in the life of yours. And I'm really interested to learn about your prospecting style. Do you have to actively prospect anymore? Or do you feel like you have the leads coming in through Henderson Advocacy with your branding? And 
you know, why is like you've been, your branding is everywhere, right? Or in my eyes. And so I'd love to jump into what does the day in the life look like and why branding is so important to you? So um, a day in the life is pretty boring, to be honest. Like it's every day I'm up at like 4.35. I train in the morning. I get to the office at 7, 7.30. I leave at six-ish. And when I'm at, at work, it's just, you know, dollar, dollar productive activities. So like you said, prospecting, you know, managing clients, buying properties, meeting business partners, which is a part of prospecting. Um, you know, doing a lot of stuff with socials um, and that's literally it. And then obviously staff and all the rest of it and then just do that six days a week and 50 weeks out of the year. That's yeah. a, it's literally like there's, there's yeah. nothing much else to it. Um, what, Jack, what social media platform do you feel like gives you the biggest ROI? Um, TikTok for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of. There's a few different reasons, but because of mm -hmm. one, the organic reach you get, like I've got mm -hmm. a video at the moment. Like if I go to TikTok now, yeah, um, that I did on the block and it has 965,000 views. Wow. Like that's just happening right now. So like you can't physically get that on Instagram or you can get it on LinkedIn. Actually, there's really strong organic on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, like the good thing about TikTok is the organic reach you get with a video and, you know, mm -hmm. that video probably took me like eight minutes to make. Yeah. So, and then off the back of that, people can't message you on TikTok without you following them back. So then they come across to Instagram and you get cross-pollinization cross and they follow you on Instagram and message you. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the greatest thing for brand awareness and reach. Um, Instagram, you know, that's, I, I use That's just, a lot. yeah, fascinating with the TikTok. I didn't realize they have to then... they then they have to go and follow you on Instagram. So that's actually, it's kind of like Instagram versus TikTok, but it's actually kind of working really well together. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And they can't, um, yeah, so they can't message you, right? And a lot of people message me for mm. questions and asking me for, for advice. And they go to my Instagram, they follow me on Instagram. So I'm getting like, you know, followers and, and an audience going across both platforms and they message me and engage. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn's incredible, like for organic. Um, I don't really use LinkedIn as a prospecting tool. I just use LinkedIn like Twitter. So like mm -hmm. in Twitter in Australia really isn't a big thing, um, yeah. but I use it as like Twitter. So I just post my thoughts on there. I post mm -hmm. experiences and things that have happened, um, which I find works. Um, you know, we've got a few podcasts, one that's purely property investment based, one that is, you know, me interviewing other people just like you are. Um, I do you do... feel like Jack social media has become a chore or you enjoy doing it now? And I guess, how do you multitask with making sure that you're recording and content for in the day in the life um, compared mm. to like doing that proactive outreach stuff and managing those two. So we've got like lots of different, um, I guess, lead channels now for the business. So, you know, we do a lot of outbound prospecting. We've got a separate business, which is a fully lead gen business, which is you know outbound. We've got paid marketing through Instagram and Facebook ads. We've got all the organic stuff we do. You know, I go on to other people's like smart property investment, for example, and we do, you know, marketing with those guys. Um, so it's like, a, it's, it's, it's a combination of everything. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It's not a chore. So my, I do, I do actually enjoy it. Like there's a, there's a thrill actually in, in doing a video that goes really, really well. And then you mm -hmm. like try to unpack why that went well and try and find themes. Um, and then also when you start to, you know, monetize organic social which you don't put any cash into it's just your time good feeling as well um yep. because then you start to think about it differently because you're starting to get money from it or getting clients from it which transition into money 
So your time is, you know, you see it as well spent. She's like, oh, but this takes me an hour, but this, this post reaches 10, 20, 30, 100, 200,000 people. Yeah. That's a high, high leverage activity. Um, but in saying that, like we still do a lot of outbound prospecting, you know, boring, plain, simple stuff. For sure. But all of that stuff together, you know, compounds faster. I'm in sales and it's still, I get a thrill every time I get a call back off like cold calling or a cold email. It still works. Like when people say it of doesn't course. work, it still works. So uh, it's really cool. But um, yeah. Jack, I we're, in, to... we're in a high ticket. We're like, we're in a high ticket sales business as well. Like at the end of the day, we're in sales, you know, and what we do is, is not cheap for, for prospects. There's that, there's a lot of value in it, but in terms of dollar figures, you wouldn't call it a cheap item mm-hmm. service. Um, so when you're doing tasks, the good thing about it is, you know, one task that takes you an hour can lead to tens of thousands of dollars. Um, so if I was doing yeah. that same task for like, you know, trying to sell a, a fidget spinner or something, that was four bucks. For sure. A little bit different. Yeah, it's totally like about the long game, right, too. And this is where people just don't understand. So many people are still fixated and working for people. It's like I work for one hour. So like you said, Friday comes around, they're off. And it's Mm -hmm. just like if you can even think about just working for yourself, you're working for yourself even if you're working for someone, right? It's how you rock up every single day that's going to compound to whatever you're doing in the future as well. So. And I was doing social stuff yeah. when I was still working in construction and mining. And that's exactly yeah. right. Like I, was, I wasn't getting paid for that, but I knew that the more I did it, the more I produced content, the more I went on other people's podcasts and shared my mm-hmm. journey, like that would have a, a, a lag effect. And, you know, I essentially jumped into the industry with a, you know, basic personal brand already. So I wasn't yeah. starting from scratch, which <laughs> helped me a lot. Yeah, that's great. Jack, how important are networking groups to you and, you talked about the physical stuff that you do and the mental, so potentially not drinking and the running, but how much personal development work do you spend on during the week now? Um, quite a lot. Like I don't own a TV, for example. So anything that I consume is, um, is something that's going to benefit me personally. I very, very rarely just consume things for entertainment purposes. Um, it's always documentaries or keynote talks or interviews or like I research something that I want to learn. Um, you know, because I'm having an issue at the moment in business or life or whatever. Um, and like around the networking thing, you know, I think networking in general is good, right? Because the more people that you know, the more opportunities that are co- going to come at you. So like if you're doing everything at once, I think it's great. Like if you're building a personal brand, if you're meeting people physically, um, you know, all of that stuff's going to compound over time because the more and more people that know your name, the better it is. But I also think that a lot of people network in the wrong way. So like, for example, you go to like a BNI chapter or something and you sit with the same fucking people for like years and years and years. Like to me, that's a waste of your time. Like the three or so hours you go to that per week, I think is silly. Like you should meet someone once, build a basic relationship with that person. You know, you're then going to be connected on social media if you're producing content. They they then feel like, you know, you're indirectly in contact with them as well. Um, But you want to meet lots of people and then work out who out of those people are going to, um, you know, help you with your life and business and, and who you can add value to, um, and then deepen those relationships. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a no brainer. And that's the reason I do a podcast. Like, I don't do a podcast. I like talking to people. I do a podcast because if you just say to someone who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, Hey mate, let's fucking go have a latte. 
going to tell you to jam it or she's going to tell you to jam it. Yeah, but exactly. If you say, hey, come on my podcast, like mm-hmm. there's a sense of ego that comes with that, right? They're like, oh, I'd love to share my journey with your people. No one. Yeah. Um, that's what's helped me. Like I've gotten some huge names in mm-hmm. business on my, on my podcast. Um, and it's not because I knew them prior to it. It's because that, you know, that people love sharing the story and talking about themselves. Yeah, that's great, Jack. So I have a few rapid fire questions to go through and you can answer these as long or short as you want. And then one last question to wrap up the episode. So, all right, here's a few rapid fire questions. Rapid fire. Yeah. Or you can go into a little tangent if you like, but (laughs) sports car or boat? Both. (laughs) Got to choose one. Um, Probably a sports car, to be honest, because... Use that way more than a boat. Yeah. Uh, favorite social media platform? TikTok. Would you rather have an expensive material item or an experience? Uh, good question. A boat uh, or Dubai? That's how I thought it a bit in my head. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one, to be honest. Um, and I'm not thinking about this because like of the, 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 the showing off aspect. I'm probably thinking about it more from a practicality and what you would use more. So like mm-hmm. if you said, Hey, here's a one and a half million dollar boat or Hey, here's a two week trip to Dubai. I'd probably take the boat only for the simple reason that with that material possession, I can have a lot more experiences on that. Yeah. That's how I think. Yeah. Do you think holidays can be overrated? Yeah, massively. Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people go on holidays these days to not even enjoy the holiday. They just fucking post on their social media and show, you know, show everyone else that they're on holidays. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really like, I, it, we live in a pretty cool place and there's like, mm-hmm. I mean, look, travel is great. Don't get me wrong. But I, I honestly feel like the majority of people who go on holidays these days simply go on holidays because it's the cool thing to do and they want to travel and it's to show everyone else. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. What is your favorite suburb to purchase houses for clients? Oh, good question. Uh, favorite suburb to purchase. If we're talking like investment, um, I would say one suburb. Probably like, I don't know, Mayfield East or Hamilton or something like that. Like the middle ring of Newcastle is, is incredible. Yeah. Incredible location. Um, if it's for like owner-occupier clients who, you know, are buying large homes, um, probably like a Bronte or like a Balmain or something like that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, do you have a diverse portfolio than just uh, houses? Um, so I have like, I've obviously got my real estate portfolio, which is a mix of commercial resi, that is resi is houses and apartments, um, mm-hmm. some development sites, um, and then, you know, I don't invest in shares, for example, but I invest in my own business, which is a much better investment than shares. Um, so I have that. Um, but that's probably the only investments I have, like is real estate and, and business. Yep. All right. Last rapid fire question. Run 50 kilometers or swim five kilometers? Run 50 Ks. <laughs> I am the worst swimmer. <laughs> I was thinking about doing triathlons and I was like, okay, I'm going to start swimming. So I went down to, uh, when I was living in Bronte, I went down to Bronte pool and uh, I was like, fuck, how hard could it be to swim? And I swam like five laps of the pool and I thought I was going to drown. And I was like, this is not enjoyable at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. It's very different to the river days where you fall off a tube and you're just like sitting there, like waiting for someone to come Yeah. With you. a life jacket on where you can just <laughs> yeah. kick back. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, def- definitely run the 50 over swim five. Five goes yeah. a long way in the water too. It is. It is. Well, to wrap up the episode, Jack, with one last question, where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Good question. I actually did one of these on, uh, on Instagram questions the other day. So mm. I think um, 10 years from now, I'll be 36. So um, 10 years from now, Henderson will be the largest buyer's advocacy firm in Australia. Will be the leading advocacy firm. Um, I will be full-time in property development, um, like Jack Henderson personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I probably say that by mid-30s, I'm probably going to have a family, I would say. You know, I wouldn't say that's on my agenda right now, but getting to that age, you're probably thinking about family. Um, and I'm going to be a better person than I am right now. That's for sure. So that's love it. That's probably yeah, my big goals are like more commercial related. So yeah, you know, Henderson to be number yep. one, you know, in Australia for what we do, and then you know, be full time in in developing, and you know, that business will likely be a, a national business as well. It's going to be great to watch your journey, Jack, and when you do you. start achieving that and the person that you'll be when when you hit that so i really appreciate your time today and thanks so much for making the time to come on i always know uh, your time is valued so thank you and i am looking forward to many more chats in the future absolutely you're a gem thanks so much thanks jack